Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We've been looking closely at the Beatitudes of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And in this episode, we're going to look at Beatitude number 6. This is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and I'm going to read that out to you now. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The heart is the best place to start when we explore this sentence, because both Jesus and pretty much every biblical writer uses this term with a specific idea in mind. In Jesus' time, there were certainly doctors and health experts who knew what the organ of the heart actually was and the way it pumped blood. But in the theology of the ancient Hebrews, because of its importance as the chief organ of a person, it also became a picture of the chief area of our spiritual makeup as well. Theologically, and we see this in both the Old and New Testaments, the heart came to stand for mankind's entire mental and moral makeup and the hidden springs of our personal life. In Romans chapter 2 and Acts chapter 15, this figurative picture of the heart is the place of divine influence. In the latter verse, we see that faith causes our hearts to be purified. This means our moral code is influenced and transformed as we embrace the grace of God. In John 14 and in other places, it is spoken as the seat of grief. It is also spoken of as the seat of joy, of our desires and affections, of our perception, our thoughts, our understanding. It is linked with our powers of reason and imagination, our conscience, our intentions, our purpose, our will, and of course, our faith. A good example of that last one is found in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, which says this, It is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, we see a warning about this part of our life. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So Jesus is looking deeply at the inner workings and the motives of a person here and how those things then affect others. And it's clear that to Jesus, this was a really big deal. The Pharisees had a strong commitment to outward devotion, but through Jesus' assessment of them, we see that there was an internal problem that was growing worse and worse. Their inner self was poorly made up. Their internal moral code was not matching up with their external display of piety. Their inward makeup consisted of self-reliance, self-satisfaction, self-righteousness, and self-focus. There was no grief, no mercy, no real hunger for truly righteous living other than what the crowd expected. They were in a place that was the opposite of what Jesus was calling for in true believers. Jesus had seen the spiritual toxicology report and the impurities were numerous. So Jesus calls for something different for the inner workings of a kingdom disciple. He calls for a heart or an inner life which is maintained in a state of purity. When this word was used in the Old Testament in the context of the heart, it packed a really powerful punch. David used it a number of times. In Psalm 24, he writes this, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? 
who may stand in his holy place, those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who do not put their trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So when it came to standing front and center before God, David knew the pure standard. This becomes painfully obvious to him in one stage of his life when he had to get personal in this area. After his adulterous and murderous fall, he wrote a song. This song includes this line in Psalm chapter 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The call for deep personal reflection continued with Solomon in Proverbs 16. People may think all their ways are pure, but motives are weighed by the Lord. The ancient Hebrews had a pretty good handle from the Old Testament that inner purity was a big deal but this has been lost on the generation that Jesus was addressing. If you can remember a few episodes back, we saw where the Old Testament left off and the state the nation was in. It ended with corrupt priests and cheap sacrifice. That was more than 400 years prior, and things had gotten progressively worse from those days to this point in our passage. That sense of coming front and center before God in a pure state was no longer happening. And Jesus is calling for citizens of the kingdom to get that back. The ancient Greek word for pure means to be unadulterated, to be free from spot and blemish. The ancient Hebrew word meant to be purged or polished or to be restored to brightness. It was the idea of being untarnished. And the context was that within the heart of man, the tarnishing factor is sin. That tarnish would only serve to insulate us from the work of God in our lives. Ultimately, an impure heart became a divided heart, which would only know or see God in glances until things got too dark to see anything at all. In this tarnished place, God would never have our all, and we would never know or see God in the way that he intended. The prophet Habakkuk correctly wrote this of God in chapter 1 verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. The way of the kingdom is the pursuit of a lifestyle that maintains the purity of heart that was gifted to us when we placed our faith in Christ, so that we are able to have a constant line of vision of what God is doing in and around us. This does not mean absolute perfection, because that's not possible this side of eternity but it does mean not exposing our hearts to the things of the world that are guaranteed to tarnish it. To explain this, consider the bottled water industry and the claim on every label that what you have in your hand is pure water. We understand water to be H2O, and that compound alone would certainly qualify it to be absolutely pure. However, because of the environment it is naturally found in, it also contains other compounds in trace form, and the label acknowledges this despite its claims of purity. H2O in its purest form, outside of a laboratory, simply does not exist. Humanity in its purest form only showed up twice in history, Adam in the garden before the fall, and the second Adam who was Christ. Outside of those laboratory conditions, Pure humanity doesn't exist because of the environment we are born into. There will always be trace compounds of the world within us because no one is truly righteous. Remember that the righteousness we have is God-given because of faith in Christ and not our works. But while we might not have much control on the trace elements that we've spiritually inherited, 
we can control the deliberate pollutants. The verses we read in the Psalms and Proverbs shed some light on some of these pollutants. In Psalm 24, the pollutant is idolatry. In Psalm 51, a pollutant is inconsistency. In Proverbs 16, the pollutant is poor motives. James chapter 1 verse 27 tells us that our purest religious observance comes when we extend mercy and live intentionally free of worldly pollutants. Tarnish on silver occurs as a result of pollutants in the air, and it creates an impurity that shields the metal surface so that its shine is withheld. Tarnish in our hearts occurs because of the pollutants we allow in, the poor motives, the inconsistencies, the worldly pleasures, the idols we've erected around us that we place ahead of God in our priorities. And that tarnish robs our hearts of the ability to see God in all his glory. But the outcome of being pure in heart, according to Jesus, is that we will see God. That is, in the now, we will develop a trait within our hearts that knows the will and voice of God with increasing fidelity. We'll develop a greater awareness of his presence and we'll have a greater sense of his purposes and plans for our lives. We'll see, as it were, the maneuvering that God is doing because it will be somewhat unveiled to our spiritual sight. And we will see him in full, high-definition clarity in eternity. John writes this in his first letter, 1 John chapter 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So let's reflect on this call to be pure in heart. This means to have an untarnished and unpolluted heart. We get polluted with idolatry. We get polluted with various lusts and desires, with bad motives and attitudes. We get polluted with bitterness and unforgiveness. Tarnish on a metallic surface needs a firm hand and a fussy eye in order to be truly removed. And this is the same with our heart. And in this case, the Lord has both of those things. We actually need to let him at times do some firm work in us so that the pollutants and the tarnish can be adequately stripped away. Friend, is there some sort of tarnish or pollutant in our hearts at this time? If you're not sure, how about we ask some other questions to find that out? Is the Lord's voice or presence feeling dimmer now than it once was? Are we not seeing God the way we once were? It could be tarnish. Perhaps the Lord wants to nudge you and point out some things in your heart that might be making things a bit murky at this time. We're going to finish this episode now with a word of prayer. But please don't leave it at that if you identify this as a need in your life. Please talk with your pastor. Put some time in with the Lord and allow him and allow an accountable friendship to do some really firm work in you at this time. You will certainly be glad you did. And it's amazing what you will see as a result of the process. Let's finish now with that word of prayer. Jesus, you call me to a blessed life where the inner workings of my life become as pure as the things I outwardly portray. Help me to keep my motives in check and to maintain a pure heart in all that I do. I give you space when and if needed to do your firm and fussy detarnishing work in me. 
And I echo the prayer of David, create in me a clean and pure heart and help me to truly see with the eyes of the Spirit as a result. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.